Good day, all. Welcome to a new episode of Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to teach you Bible truth, help you grow in faith, and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Now, I want you to remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Happy Passover Sunday, everyone. Thank God for another day and another opportunity to share with you the living word of God. Now, I want you to remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I want to take this time to thank our new listeners for tuning in. You will not be disappointed. Don't forget to click the follow button on the podcast you are listening to so you can be notified when I upload a new podcast. And for the faithful Bible truth followers, you are the reason I put forth an effort to teach every week. You continue to seek the truth. And for that, my friends, I thank God for you. Now, before we get this truth on the road, I want to lay down some simple ground rules. Because I study a lot of scripture for the sake of time. I can't possibly read or quote all of them during this message. So for each scripture I quote, I will share the scripture. You can pause the tape or podcast. And once you find the scripture, you can resume. I will also share a lot of scriptures during this message that I will not be quoting, but I will be giving a commentary on each scripture I mentioned. So you can write down the scripture and later study them for confirmation and your spiritual enrichment and edification. For the sake of wording, I will be quoting from the New Living Translation during this episode. So if you happen to hear me quote from the Bible and you see in your Bible different words, I am reading or referencing from the New Living Translation. It's okay. We, we will end up in the same place. Now, with that said, the name of this message is Jesus fulfilled all prophecies about the Messiah. Now, during this message, I will list at least 37 prophecies made by the Old Testament prophets, then confirm in the Gospels, which contain the life of Jesus, where only Jesus the Christ fulfilled those prophecies, every last one of them. Now you can consider this to be a sequel to last week's message. Who did Jesus say he was? Now I consider myself to be an expert in Christian apologetics, which simply means I am a defender of the gospel. Now when I received my master's in divinity, I received a degree in Christian apologetics as well. This is why I teach a lot about who Jesus is and why he came. You can say it's my calling. Therefore, the foundation of my ministry is to constantly teach you about Jesus and the gospel. Now, knowing what I know about Jesus, the Christ is the main reason I am so passionate about preaching and teaching the gospel. People are seeking God in all the wrong places, saints. And I want to either get them back on track 
or lead them in the right direction by showing them the truth as it is written in the Holy Bible, which contains the truth and the true word of God. Now, with that said, let's get this truth on the road. I have two foundational scriptures to get us started this morning. Now, the first scripture is found in John chapter 5, verse 39. And I will be using the New King James Version to quote this scripture. Now, this is the Lord Jesus talking. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. My, my. The second foundational scripture is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And I'm using the New Living Translation to quote this scripture. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, a popular song back in the mid-90s was Joan Osborne's What If God Was One of Us. The song asks you to imagine what it would be like if God became one of us, just like a regular stranger you saw on the bus. Seems like an interesting thought, hmm? After all, what would God's name be? What would his face look like? To most people, the idea that this could happen seems a little far-fetched. But this isn't something we have to imagine. God did become one of us. He became a man in the flesh and walked among us. Throughout my life, I've heard countless people say, if God really exists, then why doesn't he reveal himself to us? The simple fact of the matter is that he did. The problem is most people either don't accept that he has, remain ignorant of the facts surrounding his arrival, or they just plain aren't paying attention. Now, are you one of them? I once was. At the time, you could have labeled me as both ignorant and not paying attention. Yet God was all around me. In fact, the Bible says creation itself is testimony of his presence and his existence. Now, you can look at Romans chapter 1 and read verse 20. Okay, write that down. Remember, I'm going to be calling out scriptures for you to write down and study later. Now, one of the reasons people ask, where is God? Is because they would expect an almighty powerful God to show himself to us high up in the sky with a loud booming voice, thunder, lightning, and, and billowing smoke, loudly proclaiming his presence. I am. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's what people are expecting. He would say. Now why do you think this? Because this is how most people would announce themselves if they were the all-powerful God of the universe. That's exactly what you would do, and you know it. So why doesn't the real God of the universe do this? Believe it or not, he did. God appeared in this very form to the Israelites on Mount Sinai. 
But they were overcome with fear and told Moses, don't let God speak to us like this or we'll die. I want you to read Exodus chapter 20 verses 18 and 19. The Israelites were frightened out of their minds. Wouldn't you be if you heard thunder and lightning and a booming voice from heaven? So God honored the request of the Israelites to no longer speak to the people this way. Instead, he promised to raise up a prophet from among the Israelites. God would tell the people everything he needed to tell them by putting him or, or by putting his own words in the mouth of this prophet. I want you to write down Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 15 through 18 and study this. Okay. So who is this prophet promised by God? He's known as the Messiah and the old Testament is filled with countless prophecies describing him. Just as God foretold the rise and fall of world empires when he revealed Nebuchadnezzar's dream and its meaning to Daniel. I want you to write down Daniel chapter 2 and read verse 27. He also foretold the coming of the Messiah who would be a savior of the world. In fact, the New Testament tells us that the word of God which was God and through which all things were created became flesh and dwelled among us. Read John chapter one, verse 14. So if God was one of us, as Joan Osborne said so eloquently, then what was his name? It's a name you've probably heard throughout your life. His name was Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Some call him Jesus Christ, with Christ being the Greek word for Messiah. Yes, God entered the form of a human and revealed himself to the world through Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't already believe in Jesus, you might be a bit skeptical. And I can't blame you. After all, most religions and cults throughout history have worshipped man-gods with a little g. Even government officials such as the Egyptian pharaohs and the Roman Caesars were once worshipped as gods. Modern day cults often worship their leaders as well. And I've often spoke to you about these false leaders and I've added a third one so that you can understand. Jim Jones, Marshall Applewhite, and David Koresh are a few recent examples most of their followers ended up dead. And it's obvious to the rest of us, those men were fakes. They were false, false messiahs. All three claimed to be messiahs. So what makes Jesus different? A number of things make Jesus stand apart from these other historical figures. And one that should really make you pause if you're a skeptic is Bible prophecy. Why? Because the same Bible which prophesied the rise and fall of world empires and the reestablishment of Israel as a nation with 100% accuracy is the same Bible which prophesied the coming of a Jewish Messiah who would offer his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And every prophecy the Bible made about this Messiah 
came true in the life of one man and one man only, Jesus of Nazareth. So maybe you should give Jesus a chance. After all, how many people can claim that on their resume? <laughs> now, I believe that a, a careful examination of the Old Testament Messianic prophecies reveals that Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled all of them. But again, don't take my word for it. Do some research and read them for yourself. And I'm going to read just a few examples. I have chosen 37 prophecies out of the Old Testament that were made by Old Testament prophets. And I am going to compare the New Testament scriptures to the Old Testament prophecies and prove to you that Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. Okay, now let's look at number one, prophecy number one. The Messiah was born in Bethlehem. Now, approximately 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Micah predicted the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. He claimed that while Bethlehem is only a small village in Judah, a ruler of Israel whose origins are from the distant past will come from Bethlehem. I want you to write down Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Now was Jesus born in Bethlehem? Yes. Shortly before his birth, the Roman emperor decreed a census be taken throughout the empire. As part of the census, people were required to return to their ancestral towns to register. Now, as a descendant of King David, Joseph was required to go to Bethlehem, taking his wife Mary with him. Read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And while they were there, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Read Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, let's look at prophecy number 2, born of a virgin. 2,700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah relayed a message from God to King Ahaz. In his message, God promised to send a sign. What kind of sign? A virgin would give birth to a child and name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Read Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy as well. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but while she was still engaged, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph considered breaking the engagement until an angel appeared to him in a dream and confirmed that the child was conceived of the Holy Spirit. The angel said to, to, to name him Jesus because he would save people from their sins. Write down and read Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 21. Now let's look at prophecy number three, a descendant of Judah. Okay. In his last words to his sons nearly 4,000 years ago, Jacob revealed that the ruling scepter would not depart from Judah, noting that the Messiah, the one who all nations will serve, will be from the family of Judah. I want you to read Genesis chapter 49 verse 10. The Gospels confirm that Jesus was descended from Judah. Read Luke 
chapter 3, verses 23 through 38, and Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Now, you see why it's virtually impossible for me to read all of these scriptures to you? So I need you to write them down so that you can study them. Don't take my word for it. Okay? Now, let's look at prophecy number four. Great kings will pay homage and tribute to the Messiah. Now, 3,000 years ago, Solomon predicted the western kings of Tarshish and the eastern kings of Sheba and Seba, who gave gifts to the Messiah. Psalms chapter 72, verse 10. Now, this happened to Jesus as well. After he was born, some soothsayers, if you will, from eastern lands followed a star in the sky to Bethlehem. Now, when they arrived and saw Mary and Jesus, they bowed down to worship him, opening their treasure, their treasure chest and giving him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. I want you to read Matthew chapter two, verses one through two and verse 11. OK, now let's look at prophecy number five, a descendant of David. Now, more than a thousand years before Jesus was born. God promised David he would place one of his descendants on the throne and the royal line of David will continue forever and ever. I want you to read Psalms chapter 132 verse 11 and verse 12. 300 years after David, the prophet Jeremiah revealed that God would raise up a righteous descendant who rules with wisdom from the line of King David. Read Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 5 and 6 and chapter 33 verse 15. Now, so was Jesus a descendant of King David? Yes, he was. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and informed her that she would give birth to a son, he revealed that Jesus would be called the son of the most high. And God would give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Read Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. The Gospel of Matthew also provides a family lineage of Jesus, which traces his roots back to King David. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Now let's look at prophecy number 6 taken to Egypt. The Messiah was taken to Egypt. Now, 2,700 years ago, the prophet Hosea predicted that the Messiah would be called out of Egypt. Hosea chapter 11, verse one. Now was Jesus called out of Egypt? Yes. After Jesus's birth, an angel appeared to Joseph and told him to flee to Egypt because King Herod was trying to kill the newborn child. So Joseph, Mary, and Jesus fled to Egypt. When Herod died, an angel of God appeared in Joseph's dream again and told him it was safe to take Mary and Jesus back to Egypt. Read Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 20. Now let's look at prophecy number 7. He was heralded by a messenger, preceded by a messenger. OK, 2700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah revealed that the arrival of the Messiah would be preceded by a messenger, a voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight way 
the path for our God. This messenger would shout from the mountaintops telling Jerusalem and the towns of Judah, your God is coming. I want you to read Isaiah chapter 40 verses 3 through 11. Okay, verses 3 through verses 11. So did a messenger precede Jesus? Yes, he did. Before Jesus began his ministry, the Jewish leaders sent a group of men to ask John the Baptist who he was. When John said he was not the Messiah, they asked, then who are you? John echoed these very words written by Isaiah stating, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear a straight path for the Lord. Read John chapter 1 verses 19 through verses 27. And I just quoted that from the New Living Translation, okay? This is the same John, John the Baptist, who testified that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now let's look at prophecy number 8. Is the Son of God? Yes. Is Jesus the Son of God? Mm-hmm. God promised to proclaim to the Messiah, you are my son, and today I have become your father. Psalms chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. This happened to Jesus as well. After being baptized by John, Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened up, and God's spirit descended upon him like a dove. A voice from heaven then said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Read Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Now let's look at prophecy number 9. Anointed by the Holy Spirit. Now Isaiah also prophesied that out of the stump of David, a shoot will grow and the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. This is a prophecy stating that God's Spirit will come to rest upon the Messiah. Did anything like this happen to Jesus? Absolutely. Following his baptism, the heavens opened up and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and came to rest on Jesus. Read Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Now let's look at prophecy number 10. Brings light to Galilee. Hmm. 2,700 years ago, Isaiah prophesied that there would, would come a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies between the Jordan and the sea, would be filled with glory. A light would shine for the people who walk in darkness, for a child will be born and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 through 7. In other words, the Messiah would first appear in Galilee. So did Jesus first appear in Galilee? Yes, he did. The town of Nazareth was located in the province of Galilee between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. Now raised in Nazareth, Jesus began his ministry in Galilee, preaching first in Nazareth and then in Capernaum. Matthew chapter 4 verses 12 through 17. Now let's look at prophecy number 11. The sick 
will be healed. I shouldn't even have to explain this prophecy. We all know Jesus healed the sick. Now, 700 years before Jesus began his ministry, Isaiah prophesied that God will come to save his people. And when he comes, he will heal the blind, the deaf, the lame and the mute. Read Isaiah chapter 35 verses five through six. Now later, Isaiah says the Messiah will be weighted down by our sicknesses and diseases. Isaiah chapter 53 verse four. So according to Isaiah, the Messiah would heal the sick. So did Jesus do this? I am asking you, did Jesus heal the sick? On many occasions he did. In one instance, Jesus healed a man with leprosy. Matthew 8, chapter 1 through 4. On other occasions, he healed a man with a deformed hand. Matthew 12, chapter 9. No, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. He cured Simon Peter's mother-in-law of her fever and healed many people who were sick with different diseases. Now, I want you to read Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. He healed a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. Mark chapter 5, verses 24 through 34. He cured a woman who had been crippled. You know the woman who had been bent over for 18 years? Hmm? He healed her. I want you to read Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. He healed 10 lepers simultaneously. Luke chapter 17, 11, 19. Remember that? And only one came back to thank the Lord. The other nine kept going. And he healed the dying son of a government official from Capernaum. Read John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. And there are many other instances where Jesus healed the sick. You know it. Praise God. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. All we have to do to believe to bring that into manifestation. Now, let's look at prophecy number 12. The blind will see. Isaiah also prophesied that the Messiah would be a light unto the nations and would open the eyes of the blind. Isaiah chapter 42 verses 6 through 7. So did Jesus open the eyes of the blind? Yes, he did. The Gospels testified to numerous occasions where Jesus healed the blind. For instance, Jesus healed a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Read Mark chapter 10 verses 46 through 52. He also healed two blind men. Uh, read Matthew chapter 9 verses 27 through 31. And he cured another blind man by spitting on the ground, rubbing mud in the man's eyes and having him wash the mud off in the pool of Salem. Read John chapter 9 verses 1 through 12. Hmm. We serve a risen Savior. Yes, we do. Now let's look at prophecy number 13. The deaf will hear. Now Isaiah also prophesied that when the Messiah comes, the deaf will hear. Isaiah chapter 29 verses 18 and 19. For the Messiah will unplug the ears of the deaf. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 5. So did Jesus restore hearing to the deaf? To the deaf. Yes, he did. In one instance, Jesus put his fingers in the ears of a deaf man with a speech impediment, touched the man's tongue and said, be open. And the man could hear. 
Read Mark chapter 7, verse 31 through 37. Another time a demon-possessed boy was unable to hear or speak. Jesus rebuked the demon and it left the boy. Read Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through verses 29. Mm. Now y'all know I did all that reading. This is why I do not quote all of these scriptures during the message. Now let's look at prophecy number 14. The lame will walk. Now Isaiah also prophesied that the Messiah would have power to cure the paralyzed. That the lame will leap like a deer. Isaiah chapter 35 verses 5 through 6. Did Jesus heal the paralyzed? Yes, he did. When some people brought a paralyzed man on a mat to Jesus, he told the man, your sins are forgiven. Stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Instantly, not a 12 step program. Instantly, the man hopped up and went home. Matthew chapter nine, verses one through eight. While in Jerusalem, Jesus saw a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. He told the man, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And in an instant, the man was healed. John chapter 5, verses 1 through verses 18. Now let's look at prophecy number 15. Excuse me, y'all. I had eaten an apple before I started this message. And um, now some of the peel is uh, was still in my mouth. Mm-hmm. So prophecy number 15 will raise the dead. The Messiah will raise the dead. So 2,500 years ago, the prophet Zechariah revealed that the Messiah would resurrect the dead. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 11. So did Jesus do this? Yes, he did. He not only raised himself from the dead, but the gospels also record several instances where he raised others from the dead. For instance, Jairus's 12-year-old daughter was pronounced dead. But when Jesus entered her room and in her home, he took hold of her hand and said, little girl, get up. She immediately stood up and started walking around. Read Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 43. Outside of the village of Nain, Jesus encountered a funeral procession procession, I'm sorry, for a widow's only son. He approached the coffin and told the boy, get up. And the dead boy sat up and talked. Luke chapter 7 verses 11 through 17. Now, although Lazarus had been dead in his grave for four days, Jesus ordered his tomb open and said, Lazarus come out. And Lazarus walked out of his tomb. John chapter 11 verses 1 through verses 44. Okay. Now let's look at prophecy number 16. The Messiah enters Jerusalem on a donkey. Now 2,500 years ago, the prophet Zechariah said the Messiah will ride into Jerusalem to shouts of triumph. And while he is all powerful, he will humble himself by riding on a donkey's coat. C-O-L-T. I want you to read Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. So did Jesus ride into Jerusalem on a donkey to shouts of triumphs? Yes, he did. 
500 years after Zechariah's prophecy, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. The crowd spread their clothes and psalms and branches on the ground before him, singing praises to God for the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Read Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 11. Now let's look at prophecy number 17. He will enter the temple. Who is he? The Messiah. Now approximately 500 years before the birth of Christ, God proclaimed through the prophet Malachi that he would send a messenger ahead of himself to prepare the way. And then the Lord everyone is seeking will come to his temple. Malachi chapter three, verse one. In other words, the Messiah would be preceded by a messenger and then enter his temple. That same messenger is John the Baptist. Jesus was preceded by a messenger named John the Baptist. Okay. Nobody else preceded that. Nobody else was the messenger who preceded Jesus except John the Baptist. And then he entered the temple where he overturned the tables of the money changers. I want you to read John chapter two, verses 13 through 22. Keep in mind that the Romans destroyed the temple almost 2000 years ago. So no one who has lived since, since then is capable of fulfilling this prophecy. Only Jesus did that. Okay, now let's look at prophecy number 18. The Messiah would be betrayed by a friend. Hmm. Now over 3,000 years ago, King David prophesied that the Messiah would be betrayed by a trusted best friend. A person so close they shared each other's food. Psalms chapter 41 verse 9. Did this happen to Jesus? Did it? Yes, it did. A thousand years later, David's prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus predicted his betrayal at the Last Supper. He told the disciples he would dip his bread in a bowl and hand it to the one who would betray him. He did so and handed the bread to Judas. Read John chapter 13 verses 21 through 30. Judas then left the room and went off to betray Jesus the Christ. Now let's look at prophecy number 19. Betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. The Messiah would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. 500 years before it happened, the prophet Zechariah foretold the exact price for which the Messiah would be betrayed. 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah chapter 11 verse 12. After Jesus dipped his bread in the bowl and handed it to Judas, Judas went to the Jewish priests and elders and betrayed Jesus for the exact sum of 30 pieces of silver. Read Matthew chapter 26 verses 14 and 15. Now let's look at prophecy number 20 thrown into the potter's field. 500 years before Judas betrayed Jesus, God told the prophet Zechariah that the 30 pieces of silver, the great sum at which he was valued, he was valued now, would be thrown in the potter's field. Zechariah chapter 11, verse 13. I want you to read that. So what is a potter's field? 
In ancient times, the potter's field was the place of burial for unknown or indigent people. Clay was extracted from the fields for the uh, production of pottery, but the leftover field was only useful as a burial ground. Now, when Judas betrayed Jesus to the Jewish priests and elders, they paid him 30 pieces of silver. But when he realized what he had done, Judas returned and tried to give the money back. When they wouldn't take it, he threw the money down in the temple. Now, thinking it not right to put blood money in the temple treasury, the leading priest used the money to buy a potter's field for the burial of foreigners. Read Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 8. Now, let's look at prophecy number 21. Will be rejected. The Messiah will be rejected. Now, 2,700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah described the Messiah as despised and rejected. A man familiar with the deepest sadness. The people would turn their backs on him. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. Now, when Jesus was brought before Pilate, Pilate presented him to the people and said, here's your king. But the people demanded he be crucified. Crucify your king? Pilate, that's how Pilate responded. He asked them, y'all want me to crucify your king? But the people said, we have no king but Caesar. They turned their backs on God to worship a man. <laughs> Read John. Chapter 19, verses 14 and 15. Jesus was rejected as king and despised by the leaders of his day. Yet, as Peter said, the stone rejected by the builders has become the chief cornerstone, thus fulfilling Psalms 118, verse 22. Also read Acts chapter 4, verse 11. Now, let's look at prophecy number 22. The Messiah will be silent in front of his accusers. Now, 700 years before Jesus was brought before the high council and accused of blasphemy, the prophet Isaiah claimed the Messiah would be silent when faced by his accusers, much like a sheep is silent before the shearers. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. Was Jesus silent before his accusers? Yes, he was. When the high priest Caiaphas Ask Jesus, what do you have to say for yourself? How do you answer these charges? Jesus was silent. I want you to read Matthew chapter 26, verse 62 and 63. Now, what about prophecy number 23? Accused by false witnesses. Was the Messiah accused by false witnesses? Well, let's see. A thousand years earlier, King David predicted that the Messiah would be accused and slandered by false witnesses. Psalms chapter 35, verse 11. He prophesied these false witnesses would claim we saw him do it with our own eyes. Read Psalms 35, verse 21. Is this what happened to Jesus? Yes, indeed. The leading priest and the high council couldn't find any evidence against Jesus. So many false witnesses testified against him saying, we ourselves heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands and raise another in three days made without human hands. But even the lying witnesses couldn't get their story straight. Read Mark 
chapter 14, verses 55 through 59. Now, what about prophecy number 24? The Messiah will be beaten, mocked, and spit on. Mm-hmm. More than 700 years before the crucifixion, the prophet Isaiah said the Messiah would give his back to those who beat him, his cheeks to those who, who, who pull his beard, and his face to those who mock and spit upon him. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 6. Does this describe Jesus? Yes. After Caiaphas tore his own clothing and accused Jesus of blasphemy, the other accusers shouted guilty. They spit in Jesus's face and beat him with their fist. Then they mocked him saying, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Oh, yes, our Christ suffered a lot for us, my sisters and brothers. Read Matthew chapter 26, verse 67. Now, what about prophecy number 25? The Messiah will be beaten, bloodied, and disfigured. Now, centuries before the crucifixion, the prophet Isaiah said the Messiah's face would be so disfigured, few would hardly recognize him as human. Read Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 and 14. Now, I struggled to choose these prophecies because knowing what my Savior did for me so that I can spend eternity with God and never go to hell, it, touch, it touches my heart. It breaks me down. I am tough as nails, but I am broken when it comes to what the Messiah did for me. Now, I want you to read Isaiah chapter 52, verses 13 and 14. Now, in the case with Jesus, yes. Mm -hmm. In this particular case, before the crucifixion, Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip and the Roman soldiers fit a crown of thorns on his head. Read John chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. This would have severely disfigured Jesus. And that's all I want to say about that. What about prophecy number 26? Will the Messiah be mocked and told to save himself? A thousand years before the cross, King David prophesied that the Messiah would be mocked by onlookers who will say the Lord loves him so much. Let the Lord save him now. Uh-huh. Psalms chapter 22 verses 7 and 8. This is precisely what happened to Jesus. While he was being crucified, the people mocked Jesus saying, save yourself and come down from the cross. The religious leaders also mocked Jesus saying he saved others, but he can't save himself. If he's the king of Israel, let him come down from that cross and then we'll believe. Hmm. If he's the son of God, let God save him now. Read Matthew chapter 27 verses 39 through 44. Now let's look at prophecy number 27. The Messiah will be his hands and feet will be pierced. Now, a thousand years before Jesus was crucified, King David prophesied that the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. Psalms 22, verse 16. 
Were Jesus's hands and feet pierced? That's my question to you. Yes, they were. Forced to carry his own cross, Jesus was taken to a place called Golgotha, where he was nailed to the cross. Two others were crucified also, one on each side of Jesus. Read John chapter 19, verses 17 and 18. Now, the very method of crucifixion required the Roman soldiers to drive nails through Jesus's hands and feet. Even though crucifixion wasn't invented at the time of King David's prophecy, in those days, the preferred method of execution was stoning. Every letter of this prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus was crucified. My Lord. My Lord. Now let's look at prophecy number 28. The Messiah will be given vinegar and gall to drink. A thousand years before the crucifixion, King David predicted that the Messiah would be given gall, which is poison, for food and sour wine to quench his thirst. Psalms chapter 69 verse 21. Did, did this happen to Jesus? Yes, it did. When they arrived at Golgotha, the soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter poison. But when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. Matthew chapter 27, verse 34. One of the bystanders at the crucifixion filled a sponge with sour wine and held it up to Jesus on a stick so he could drink it. Mark chapter 15, verse 36. My Lord, our King, our Messiah, the Christ suffered a lot. He suffered a great deal so that we can spend eternity with God. My Lord, let's look at prophecy number 29. The Messiah's clothes will be divided up. A thousand years before the crucifixion, King David prophesied that others would cast lots to determine who would get the Messiah's garments at his execution. Read Psalms chapter 22, verse 17 and verse 18. Did this happen to Jesus? Yes, it did. When the Roman soldiers crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among themselves, but his robe was a single garment. It was woven from the top to the bottom and they didn't want to tear it. So rather than tear it, they decided to throw dice to see who got it. Read John chapter 19 verses 23 and 24. Now let's look at prophecy number 30. We, we are going down the home stretch people. Prophecy number 30. The Messiah's bones will not be broken. Now King David also prophesied that the bones of a righteous person would never be broken. Psalms chapter 34 verses 19 and 20. Only one righteous person ever lived, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and his bones were never broken despite his being crucified. Okay. The day of the crucifixion was also the day of preparation. The next day was Passover and the Jewish leaders didn't want to crucify, didn't want the crucified bodies hanging in, in public on a Sabbath. So they asked Pilate to speed up the executions by breaking the legs of those who were being crucified. Pilate agreed and the soldiers broke the legs of the two men being crucified with Jesus. But when the soldiers got to Jesus, 
they did not break his legs because they saw that he was already dead. I want you to read John chapter 19 verses 31 and verse 30, all the way through to verse 33. John chapter 19 verses 31 through 33. Now, the Messiah's side will be pierced. Now, prophecy number 31 and 32 will be combined because it is associated with Jesus being pierced in the side and that holy blood and water flowing out, pouring out of his side that was spilled on Calvary's cross. It was shed on Calvary's cross. So 500 years before the crucifixion, Zechariah prophesied that the people of Israel will look upon me, the Messiah, whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. Zechariah 12, 10. Was Jesus pierced? Yes, he was. One of the Roman soldiers pierced Jesus with a spear. Read John chapter 19 and verse 34. Now, prophecy number 32 is associated with this, where the life of the Messiah poured out like water. Now, in a psalm which depicts a detailed description of death by crucifixion, even though this method of execution hadn't been invented yet, King David prophesied that the Messiah's life would be poured out like water. Read Psalms chapter 22, verse 14. So is this what happened to Jesus? Yes, it did. When the soldiers went to break Jesus's legs, and they saw he was already dead. One of the soldiers pierced the side of Jesus and that precious blood and water flowed out. Read John chapter 19, verse 34 again. Now, what about prophecy number 33? The, uh, the Messiah will be struck down and his disciples scattered. Now, 500 years before Jesus, the prophet Zechariah prophesied that the Messiah would be struck down and his followers scattered, declaring, strike down the shepherd and his sheep will be scattered. Zechariah chapter 13, verse seven. At the last supper, Jesus quoted Zechariah 13, seven, told his disciples that they would desert him on that very night. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. That night when Jesus was betrayed and arrested in Gethsemane, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Matthew chapter 26, verse 56. Bible prophecy. Jesus fulfilled every last one of them. Now let's look at prophecy number 34. The Messiah will be buried in a rich man's grave. Y'all always hear Jesus was buried in Joseph's tomb. Joseph was that rich, that rich man. Now, hundreds of hundreds of, of years before Jesus execution, the prophet Isaiah predicted that the Messiah would be treated like a common criminal and buried in a rich man's tomb. Isaiah chapter 53, verse nine. Did did this happen to Jesus? Yes, it did. As evening approached on the day of the crucifixion, a rich man named Joseph. Mm hmm. Joseph was from Arimathea, Arimathea. Okay, y'all know some of these words are challenging. Uh, one of Jesus's followers, Joseph was one of Jesus's followers. He asked Pilate for Jesus' body. 
Pilate agreed to release the body and Joseph wrapped it in a clean sheet of linen cloth. Then he placed Jesus's body in the tomb he had prepared for himself, sealing it by rolling a boulder into the entrance. Oh yes. Matthew chapter 27 verses 59 and verse 60. Now let's look at uh, prophecy number 35. The Messiah will rise from the dead. Now a thousand years before the resurrection, King David prophesied that the Messiah's body would not be left among the dead, that God would not allow his Holy One to rot in the grave. Psalms, excuse me, chapter 16, verse 10. Psalms 49 reveals that God will restore the Messiah's life saving him from the power of the grave. Psalms 49 verse 15. Three days and three nights after the crucifixion, Mary and Mary Magdalene went to visit the tomb. When they arrived, a great earthquake shook the ground. The angel of the Lord came down from heaven. The rock rolled away from the tomb's entrance and the Roman soldiers got in the tomb, fainted. And the angel spoke to the two women. And he, he, he was telling them Jesus had risen from the dead, just as he had promised. Matthew chapter 28, verses 5 through 7. Now let's look at prophecy number 36. The Messiah will ascend to heaven. Now a thousand years before the resurrection, King David prophesied that the Messiah would ascend to heaven. Psalm 68, verse 18. Did Jesus ascend to heaven? Yes, he did. According to the gospel of Luke, Jesus was taken up to heaven while blessing the disciples. Luke chapter 24, verse 51. The book of Acts says that after talking to the disciples, Jesus was lifted up into a white cloud and the disciples strained to see him as he ascended into heaven. Acts chapter one, verses nine through 11. Write that down and read that. Now let's look at our last prophecy. Prophecy number 37. The Messiah will be served by future generations. King David also prophesied that the Messiah would be served by our children and future generations will, will hear about his wonders. Psalms chapter 27 verse 30. Have future generations heard about the wonders of Jesus? You bet they have. Absolutely. And as long as I have breath in my mouth, they will hear about him. Every generation since the crucifixion of Christ has heard of his righteous acts and everything he has done. Today, consciously or unconsciously, the name of Jesus graces the lips of everyone on the face of the earth. So what does this mean? How can we be sure? the New Testament is reliable. This is where faith comes into play. Not a faith built on blind acceptance, but a faith built on trust. Remember the same Bible predicted the gathering of the Jews from the furthest corners of the earth to reestablish the nation of Israel. That's something you can see today with your own eyes. And the same Bible predicted the Medes would conquer Babylon and the Greek empire would break up into four kingdoms. But again, don't take my word for it, saints. Many historians and archaeologists 
will vouch for the credibility of the New Testament as an accurate historical account. Making that case, though, is far beyond the scope of this message. So I encourage you to examine these claims for yourself. Now, in conclusion, only one person fulfilled the Old Testament Messianic prophecies with 100% accuracy, Jesus of Nazareth. So no one else, no one else ever did, no one else ever can. Jesus fulfilled the Messianic prophecies. Now, if you're a skeptic, you might say he set out to fulfill these prophecies and he and his disciples made up stories and arranged his life so, so he could claim fulfillment of these prophecies. I've heard it. I've heard these skeptics, poor babies. But if that's the case, how did they arrange the town in which he was born? Or, or who his descendants were? Or the price paid for his betrayal? They couldn't. While Jesus and his disciples could certainly arrange the fulfillment of some of the prophecies, such as riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, they certainly couldn't dictate the circumstances and the timing of them all. For instance, if you're a fraud, how do you arrange the healing of a blind man or raise someone from the dead? Hmm? The fact of the matter is that it's highly unlikely Anyone would fulfill all of these prophecies, yet Jesus did. How unlikely. Let's say you had a 50-50 chance of fulfilling each of the prophecies just I just noted. So with just a one in two chance of fulfilling each prophecy, only one out of every 137 billion people would be successful. And that's assuming your odds are 50-50. Do you really think the average person has a 50-50 chance of being born in Bethlehem? Uh, of being buried in a rich man's tomb or even entering a temple that was destroyed almost 2,000 years ago? Probably not. But even so, the odds are still greater than a 1 in 137 billion. Why? Because the Old Testament predicted the time of the Messiah's arrival, and that time has long since passed. Because of that, no one born since that time or who is born in the future can ever fully fulfill the Messianic prophecies. Only one man could, and only one man did, and the exact time of his arrival was foretold by Daniel more than 2,600 years ago. Now, saints, I want you to study every scripture I gave you so that you can see for yourself. There was w way more than 37 prophecies prophesied about the coming of the Messiah, but I chose these 37 out of these prophecies because I feel they are very important for you to know. We compared it with, with the Old Testament, not the Old Testament. We compared these prophecies prophesied by Old Testament prophets to the New Testament. And as you can see, Jesus fulfilled those 37 prophecies. So saints, I hope you were blessed. Happy Resurrection Sunday. And I want you to stand by for an invitation to accept Christ if you haven't accepted him already. And then my closing remarks. Have a blessed Passover Sunday.
to everyone who hears this message, including those who profess to having accepted Christ, but don't possess his spirit, and to the non-believers who are chasing religion looking for God. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. There is no other way to get to God outside of Christ. There is no back door. I want you to read John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. All you have to do to secure your salvation in Christ is to say this simple prayer one time and mean it. Father God, I am a sinner in need of salvation. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And because I confessed and believed this in my heart, God, your word says I'm saved. Amen. If you said this simple prayer, my friends, you have just been saved by grace. Yes, it's just that simple. If you were sincere, you should feel a change in your heart right now. You now have free access to God. You are a saint, a believer, and most importantly, a child of the Most High God. I encourage you to join a faith-based teaching church. Continue to listen to Learning Bible Truth so you can grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Renew your mind with the Word of God so you can establish a relationship with Him. God wants you to enjoy life, laugh, love, forgive, and treat everyone you encounter with compassion, dignity, and respect. Now stand by for my closing remarks. I pray that you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com and if you would like to support this podcast financially because you feel we have been a blessing to you go to one of my five podcasts Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts or Radio Public and contribute an amount of your choice. Now until next time remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith not by sight I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.